You are listening to a podcast from Essendon Presbyterian Church in Melbourne, recorded 6 p.m. on February 5, 2023, presented by Rev. Chris Duke. <clears throat> I'm just going to check which one I did it in, <laughs> which version I did it in, so... I think I did it in New King James, so I'll read from there. Right, we're going to read the first 14 verses of chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me? Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, and else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. May the Lord bless to us the reading of his word. Amen. Let us pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, As we come around this 14th chapter of John, Lord, we ask your blessing upon us. Lord, we ask that you would give us clarity of thought and understanding. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A number of years ago, and uh, too many that I'd like to remember, when I was uh, back then as a mid-teenager, when I was in the Senior Scouts, I had, had to go on a three-day senior scout hiking trek. It was a requirement to complete some senior scout badge of that time. I can't remember what it's called. The hike involved reaching certain checkpoints and then reaching the final destination over the three days. And uh, we achieved this by mid-afternoon on the third day. My younger brother and a, a friend accompanied me And we hiked out past Scarsdale near Ballarat. Now, some of you won't know that area, but 
you might have heard of the names. Uh, and we were going off-road and uh, we ended up at various locations, including a place called, a famous place in that area called Devil's Kitchen. Now, don't ask me why it was called Devil's, Devil's Kitchen, but it probably, there was probably a good reason. These, of course, were some of the areas near Ballarat that opened up because of the gold mining, because of the gold rush. And we carried our gear and we carried our food and we carried these in our backpacks. Back then, our backpacks weren't very fancy. They were the old A-frame design and they were very uncomfortable and nothing like the ones that you can get today that, that uh, relieved the back a little bit. To find our way, we were given a set of instructions, we were given a map and a compass. And then we had to rely on our own common sense. Now, for some people, that would be a worry, especially the common sense. Today, you would almost get away with your mobile, mobile phone. You'd get away with Google Maps and the GPS system on them. But surprisingly, after three days, we did reach our checkpoints and we did answer the appropriate questions about them. And to our relief, we reached our finishing point where we were picked up and taken back to our homes. Now, I'm sure that most of you have travelled on a train. If you're ever travelling to Melbourne by train from another city, at the finish of the ride, you'll get off at the, the Southern Cross station and then it's fairly easy to find your way out into Spencer Street and into the other streets that take you either into the shops or to other, other venues or places. However, it can be a hassle. It can be a hassle to me anyway. might not be to you, um, at least until you become really uh, familiar with the process, in finding the right place where to catch the train to get home. You know, what's the right platform? You need to read the, the directions of where, where the, of, for the correct platform in order to find your way uh, onto the correct platform to catch, catch the appropriate train. And this is the same for many people today who are uncertain of the way in life. There are many different ways that people can go, many different paths. A young person goes to school and then finishes and tries to find a job. Or perhaps the same person decides to go to university. But which course are they going to do? Many people find themselves without directions in the things of life. And when it comes to religion, there is even more, much more confusion today. Because many people have little idea of how to find God. And to add to the confusion, we are bombarded with the greatest lie on earth, that there are many ways to find God. As we read our, our, as we read our text tonight, Jesus makes it clear that he is the way to eternal life in heaven. The only way to the Father and heaven is through Jesus. And friends, we can be sure that Jesus is the way to the Father because he is the perfect revelation of the Father. Now, let us just recall from some previous uh, addresses in the Gospel of John, um, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the upper room. This is on the night he was to be betrayed. 
The betrayer has left the room to do his deed. And Jesus is endeavouring to comfort the disciples by speaking directly to them. And this is Jesus' last words only hours before his death on the cross. And so Jesus is telling them that he's going away. He's going away. Now his disciples have burned all their bridges in following Jesus. And now they're troubled that Jesus has told them that he is going away. In fact, they're in the middle of an emotional crisis and they don't know where he is going and they cannot come and so they're devastated. Then Jesus tells them that he goes to prepare a place for them and the preparations that Jesus is talking about here, the working of preparing heaven for us and for them is the result of his mediatorial work which includes his incarnation, he's already come, and now it's going to include his redemptive work through his death and then after his death, his resurrection, and after that, in a few more days' time, his ascension to the right hand of the Father. And so in Hebrews 7, we find that Jesus intercedes for us to the Father. He intercedes as our high priest after the order of Melchizedek so that he might save us to the uttermost. And so no stone is left unturned. And Jesus' redemptive work is complete. And he says to his disciples who at this point are confused because they're not able to work out what Jesus is saying. They have no idea. And Jesus says in verse 4, and you know the way to where I am going. Now, this phrase, and you know the way to where I'm going, is typical of phrases that are very common in Jesus' ministry. This phrase was used actually to elicit a response. Jesus often would make a comment that would arouse questions in the minds of his listeners. They were questions that he wanted them to answer, answers that he wanted to give because of the gaps that were present in their thinking that needed filling in. You know the way to heaven. And so this is a true statement. It's just that the disciples' problem is they don't know that they do know the way to heaven. To be sure about these men, they were men who knew Jesus and loved Jesus. And Peter had already confessed that Jesus was was the Messiah, the Son of God. Flesh and blood had not revealed this truth The disciples were believers in Jesus as the Messiah, as the promised one, as the anointed one, as we talked about in uh, this morning, the one prophesied back in King David's time and, and then later on. However, the problem is that whilst they believed that he was the Son of God, they didn't really understand how much Jesus was truly God. And when referring to him as the Son of God, they didn't truly acknowledge his divinity. And so Thomas asked the question. He asked the question that was burning in the minds of all the disciples. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? How do we know the way when we don't even know where your final destination is? How can we know the way? And so they're thinking materially. They're thinking physically. And this is why the way of religion will never lead you to heaven. 
It's not so much a set of directions where you need a map and a compass or a GPS system to find heaven. The issue is not about directions, but rather it's about qualifications. Now, let's speak hypothetically. If you were able to find your way to the doors of heaven and then knock on those doors and enter in, those doors will not open unless you are qualified to enter into that place. That's why we don't need a set of directions. That's why we need a person. That's exactly why Jesus' response to Thomas in verse 6 when he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now this is perhaps one of the most precious verses in the Bible. I guess you've probably heard many sermons on it over the years. But as we come to understand this verse, do you notice how narrow and exclusive this is? Because Jesus says that he is the way. Now in our culture, this type of narrowness and exclusivity is frowned upon. This verse is not politically correct today. Jesus, when he taught, was rarely ever politically correct. You can't say that. You can't believe that. There are many ways to heaven. That's what we hear today. Well, are there? Are there? The postmodern man lifts his head and says to you, as long as you live a good moral life. Problem with this is who, is, who determines what is moral? By what standard does one measure morality? What happens if you fall down on your, even your own standards? Even your standards that you live by? Who sets the standards? Then the same person says, well, there are so many religions. There's got to be some good in all of them. So there must be many ways to heaven. Therefore, it doesn't matter which way you get to God. But Jesus, when he comes to this passage, is not concerned in being politically correct. He's not worried about being narrow-minded. Jesus said that he is the way, the only way. And no one comes to the Father but through me. And Jesus was the only one who ever claimed to be God. And he proved his divinity through all of his miracles and through his resurrection. There is no other name in heaven or on earth by which you can be saved. And the narrowness of Jesus' teaching is what offends people today. But it doesn't change the fact of what Jesus has taught. And John says in John chapter 10, verse 7, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The one thing that you notice when you look at the claims of Jesus as he speaks to his disciples about the way to heaven, about the way to salvation, is the exclusiveness of Jesus. There is no other name by which a person can be saved. And the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 to 6, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. If Jesus is the way to heaven, then on what basis do we bank our eternity on the man Christ Jesus? 
It's because Jesus possesses a unique kind of qualification. It's because he is our mediator that is able to say, I am the way, the truth and the life. Now there's one very important word used twice in this statement. And the word is the conjunction and. I am the way and the truth and the life. And these are explanatory ands, which means that the way we are to understand this in order to protect the grammar and the context is that Jesus is stressing that I am the way because I am the truth and the life. It protects the context that Jesus is the way, but it allows the nouns to have their fullest force because I am the truth and the life. Now, why would we put our trust in one man who is that exclusive as the only way to heaven? Because we can trust that Jesus is the way to the Father because he is the perfect revelation of him. Now, this might not make sense at first, but let me explain something about what Jesus is stressing. We suffer from a problem. By virtue of our own inherent sin. The Bible tells us that we are people walking around with darkened understandings. And we do this as a result of being born into the human race. And all it brings with it, and we all actually lack truth. We lack the ability even to comprehend truth. So even if, if, if Christians and non-Christians speak about God openly, the question is what version of God are they referring to? Is it the God of the pantheist who says that the stars are God and the trees are God and the grass is God? We have people who don't, uh, don't realise that they're pantheists today. Is it the God of the feminist who says that it's not our father but our mother? Is it the God of the homosexual who says that God is never judgmental but always embracing with love? Is it the God of Mormonism who says there are a multiplicity of gods? What version of God are we talking about? The fact is that we never will never know our way to heaven unless we know who God is. Now the fact is that the gods that people invent are representations or imaginations of things that they like, of things that they desire. The reality is that gods that people worship are representations of themselves, which begs the question, how do we know that we haven't fallen into this type of worship? When we stake our claim on eternity, for eternity on this one man, on this one man alone, it's because he is the perfect revelation of God. And we can be sure that Jesus is the way to the Father because he is the perfect revelation of him. If left to our own devices, we are doomed and we're hopeless if we have to find God on our own. How can we know the way if we don't know who God is? Therefore, God must take the initiative and make himself known to us. And he's done this so perfectly and completely and thoroughly 
in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what he is saying when he says, I'm the way, because I am the truth and the life. I am the way because I am the truth and the life. I am the perfect, absolute manifestation of the invisible, true and living God. And this is what John has said in chapter 1 in verses 17 and 18. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And Paul says in Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And as Jesus is about to leave the disciples, he wants them to know thoroughly that he is more than the Son of God. He is God. And when we come to verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Now, the Greek word that gives the English to know him means more. It talks about intimacy. To be intimate with Jesus Christ is to see the Father. Now, Philip is not always known to have great faith. He now says this. Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. This will be sufficient for us. Pull back the heavens and allow us to see the glory of God. Perhaps Philip may have been thinking about Moses in Exodus chapter 33. When Moses asked, show us your glory. But Moses was only allowed to see the trail of God's glory. Sadly, Philip doesn't realise that in the past three years, He's had a far greater privilege than Moses ever had because when Philip had been with Jesus, God had come in the flesh and was living amongst him. And so Jesus rebukes him in verse 9. Have I been with you so long and yet you do not get it? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can this be so? How can you say that when you look at me, you're seeing the living God? And Jesus answers this in verses 10 and 11. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Now, of course, this relates to our understanding of the Trinity that God is three and one at the same time. Now, when we stress that God is three, we stress that in regard to his personhood, we have three distinct, coexistent, co-eternal persons who share one essence. I'll repeat that. When we stress that God is three, we stress that in regard to his personhood, we have three distinct coexistent, co-eternal persons who share one essence. An essence that is so much one that to see one is to see the other. And to know one is to know the other. 
Now, for Jesus to claim this, the proof of this is found in his words and his works. What does Jesus say in verse 10? Listen, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. My life-giving words and my life-giving works, how can we bank our eternity on Jesus Christ? Because Jesus is the perfect revelation of God because he is God, equal to the Father in every way. We can be sure that Jesus is the way to the Father because he's the perfect revelation of him. So to hear him is to hear God's voice and to see him is to know all that there is to know about God. And the most important thing for a believer to do is to immerse yourselves in the gospel because in seeing Jesus we learn how God acts and how God feels and what God feels about sin. Now there's a second problem. Not only is there a lack of truth in humanity, there's also a lack of life. Now, if you're born into the human race, and you've all been born into the human race, otherwise you wouldn't be here. Everything may be functioning physically. Okay? You're alive. But we are devoid of God's kind of life. We are devoid of God's kind of life. We are born in a condition that's alienated from God and dead to his dimension. So a person will never seek the way to God until that person is awakened by God. At this point then suddenly through the grace of God he makes you alive. That's what uh, Jesus emphasises in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus comes to him at night. And instantly you discover that Jesus is the only way. And so we can trust that Jesus is the way because he alone is the source of spiritual life. Now Jesus says, I'm the living bread that comes down from heaven. Anyone who eats of this bread shall live forever. My sheep hear my voice and follow me and I give eternal life to them. I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall live. And this is the completion of the gospel. Jesus comes to give life, everlasting life. And this is why we should get excited. This is what should enthuse us. So when Jesus says that he is the way, it is because he is the truth and the life. And therefore, with absolute confidence, friends, we can be sure that Jesus is the way to the Father because he is the perfect revelation of him. And so, friends, I pray that all of us will have this absolute confidence today and forever, forevermore, that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Amen. Let us pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that indeed Jesus is absolute, is being absolute in his statement here, Lord, that he is saying that he is the only way 
for, for redemption. He is the only way for salvation. He is the only way for heaven. And he's the only way to have access to the Father. And so, Lord, we just pray that each one of us will have a fuller understanding of this, that we may be enthused, that we may have the joy of the Lord because of this fundamental truth, that Jesus is the truth and the light. And so, Lord, we ask your blessing upon each of us and everyone who has opportunity to hear these words, to be reminded that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Amen. Well, we're going to More messages of hope at Essendon Presbyterian Church.org.au or wherever you get your podcasts from.